my name's Professor Alison Twycross and I'm editor of Evidence-Based Nursing and I'm delighted to be hosting this podcast uh, with Stacey Rolls from Sudbury, Ontario. Stacey, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I'll give you a, a little bit of background on myself. I'm a registered nurse with uh, about 13 years of experience. I've completed a master's degree in nursing. Um, I have had cognitive behavioral therapy training with the Academy of Cognitive Therapy and supervision with Dr. Michael Tompkins. I've also been certified as a uh, cognitive therapist with the Academy of Cognitive Therapy. I have um, completed supervision uh, with anxiety disorders and depression and addictions, uh, specializing in post-traumatic stress disorder. I've just recently completed supervision as a supervisor and trainer with the Academy of Cognitive Therapy, and I'm awaiting credentialed status with them as a supervisor. For my work, uh, I'm currently a a clinical nurse specialist uh, with a hospital system called Health Sciences North, and I have a small private practice, and I am also an adjunct professor with the School of Nursing at Laurentian University, and uh, faculty and cognitive behavioral therapy supervisor with the Northern Ontario School of Medicine in the psychiatry program. So that's a little bit about my background. Okay, thank you. We're delighted that you can join us today. The commentary we're discussing today is um, on a paper that was a literature review focusing on whether a combination of motivational interviewing and cognitive behavioral therapy improves medication adherence. I wonder, Stacey, whether you could tell us something about why this is an important area for us to be considering within nursing in 2016. I think it's an important area uh, for nursing because more and more our healthcare system is moving from a medical model to a more client-driven or client-centered recovery model. So essentially, clients, our patients, are more in control of their health and their healthcare decisions. These decisions are affected by things uh, such as motivational factors, behavioral factors, and their thought and emotional factors. And so when we're looking at making this shift from a medical model, we need to help those clients uh, gain the ability to make those healthcare decisions on their own by uh, considering their, their motivational and behavioral factors that are driving the, their healthcare decisions. Okay. The Litchie Review looked at a, a number of studies in this area. What mm-hmm. does the data from that Lit Review tell us about adherence to medication? among people with long-term conditions? Well, I can speak to adult populations uh, more than uh, children because I've looked at more of of that data and that research. Uh, So it it essentially tells us that people with long-term conditions have many concerns regarding medications. And those concerns affect their adherence to their medication regime. So concerns could include things like um, the side effects of the medications, or if the medications are could potentially harm their kidneys, their liver, their stomach, and a lot of a lot of clients have concerns about how they will pay for long-term treatment, depending on what it is. So those are a lot of the concerns that are, are showing up in the literature. The other issue is the more self-directed the care that's required of the person changes their adherence level. So, for example, patients with um, diabetes provide about 95% of their own care, from uh, blood sugar checking to if they're uh, type 1, uh, giving themselves insulin. So for people with type 1 diabetes, about one in three people are non-inherent to their insulin regimes. 
So if we look at that large population of 95% of them being in control of their own care, but one in three are non-adherent, that results in poor glycemic control, complications that affect the healthcare system, um, not to mention the patient themselves. So I guess the evidence tells us that there are so many individualistic reasons why some people take their medications and others don't that we may have to start looking at getting to the core of those reasons, which is where cognitive behavioral therapy can really come into play. What are the factors that affect whether or not people take their medication as prescribed? There are, are numerous factors that affect whether or not people take their medication. So anything from illness, so the physical or mental illness, their age uh, could be a factor in that, their ability, their cognitive or physical abilities. The number of medications that clients are taking can affect uh, if they're going to adhere. Their stage of change, so are they ready and or wanting the change that the medication could bring and or are they ready for the side effects? Often their confidence and their ability to self-manage the medications and care, that's something that really impacts clients with uh, diabetes as well. If they don't feel that they have the confidence um, to, to do this self-care on their own, other factors include like the diagnosis that the person has, the prognosis, potential complications of the illness, uh, if they're going to follow up with the treatment regime. If they have access to regular health care, um, we're in northern Ontario, um, so not everybody has a primary health care provider here. Um, but not only do they have access to primary health care or specialists, but do they trust them? I mean, I, I work a lot with psychotherapy, and we know that the literature tells us that when you're engaging in psychotherapy, there's a really strong association between the therapeutic relationship and outcomes. So, And we also know that a positive therapeutic relationship is more predictive of positive outcomes than the actual intervention itself. So it's really, really important not only to have a, a good intervention or a good treatment choice or a good therapy choice, but also that strong therapeutic relationship. So going back to that previous point, if the person has a primary care person that they don't have a positive relationship with, we can pretty safely say that that might impact their decisions around medication adherence. The other components that could impact them are things like socioeconomic factors uh, can either impact their decisions positively or negatively. Those include all of the determinants of health, really. And, you know, this isn't a comprehensive list or anything, but I guess lastly, uh, their life experience, because that essentially impacts all of the factors that we were just talking about and would have a major impact on decisions to adhere to medication regimes. So, somebody's uh, values, beliefs, their family environments. If, if a client grew up in a family where they didn't believe in medications, that, that could impact their um, adherence to a medication regime. So again, it's very, very individualistic. And with cognitive behavioral therapy, we can start to get to some of the core reasons, the whys behind it. Okay, thank you for that. So moving on to the literature review, which you wrote the commentary about, how does the literature review itself add to our knowledge about this issue? It, it adds to our knowledge because we know that motivational interviewing and cognitive behavioral therapy have been demonstrated to enhance self-care and uh, it enhances healthy behaviors, specifically regarding the appropriate use of medication. So it, it adds that. The review really highlights that we need more studies uh, in this area and a proper understanding of therapeutic approaches such as CBT, um, CBT cognitive behavioral therapy. In my opinion, uh, CBT wasn't 
properly defined in, in this literature review. So that led to some blurring of, of uh, the lines between MI and CBT. But it does, it does shine the light that we need a better understanding of that and, you know, the benefits of MI and CBT in uh, self-care. Okay, so how did the authors of the original paper come to the conclusions that, that you've just outlined? So uh, they did that by critically appraising the articles in, in a literature review. But again, my concern was with their approach that CBT wasn't properly defined. So um, there, there's, there are many different levels of cognitive behavioral therapy. So there can be a very basic understanding of CBT to it being an intensive specialty. And even within CBT, there are specific specialties. Unfortunately, of the six studies included, the first four articles were very loosely, if at all, CBT-based. And we're more in line with motivational interviewing alone, which is fine. But if that would have been identified as such, uh, it would have um, strengthened uh, the evidence of the article, in my opinion. So the, the article shone light on the issue that many don't know where the lines are blurred between motivational interviewing, counseling, and therapy, and where those distinctions are very clear. So, for example, even in brief intervention cognitive behavioral therapy, there's a different approach as it's therapy-based um, as a form of treatment and includes a different knowledge base. I guess, uh, to put it more simply, motivational interviewing uh, can help someone to talk about issues that they may be facing, where cognitive therapy can help that person get to the root of it and create the behavioral and cognitive changes that can help to change problematic behaviors and thoughts. So those changes can help to people to make the shift to enable them uh, to play a greater role in their own healthcare decisions, which is essentially what's being requested of them with this transition to client-centered care from the more medical model. Okay, so you've kind of touched on my next question, but um, I'm sure there's, there are other implications. Can you discuss some of the implications for practice of, of, of the findings of the lit review? CBT interventions, I guess, uh, can be very broadly applied. So I think the implications for practice of these findings is that we can start to apply CBT in other areas, not only in mental health, but with other chronic and acute healthcare conditions across a very wide range of populations and um, as a method for promoting health and preventing illness. Uh, so the article really enhanced that point. The other implications for practice uh, were the talking points from the article. So uh, they have the potential to have positive practice implications if the education and skill set of those who provided the CBT were better defined and were appropriate to the therapy. So I think that that could really be built on. The findings also demonstrated that there is a need to look at CBT as part of an integrated approach to help clients engage in their healthcare and be a really uh, involved member of their healthcare team. CBT has been implemented with a lot of positive results for clients with chronic health conditions. Uh, there's a lot of evidence uh, and there's a lot of literature on that. Um, but it's still not the norm uh, in practice because it's still mainly used with clients who have mental health concerns. I, so I think, you know, the overall implications for practice include integrating this holistic approach of healthcare to include cognitive behavioral therapy for those clients who might benefit from it. What further research is needed in this area? You've touched a little bit on this earlier, but what do you think is the key research that's needed um, to take this area forward so that we know more what we should be doing? Um, well, in my, in my opinion, I think 
if we were reviewing the literature for evidence of each individual intervention, uh, because they are very different, there, there, there are lines where motivational interviewing and, and cognitive behavioral therapy cross over, of course. But when you're looking at the individual interventions in a research article, if we review the literature for evidence of each separate intervention separately in regards to medication adherence in a specific client population, such as diabetes or something, and we did that with a few different areas and a few different populations, and then we could potentially spread it to other areas from there so that we can look at how it works within specific uh, populations so that we have more confidence in the evidence of the results. Okay, that makes sense. So my last question, if people listening to this podcast take one thing away from it, what should that be? I think I'd have three things that I'd like them to take away that kind of mesh into one point, if that's okay. (laughs) So the first, I I think, would be that when you're helping someone through an acute or chronic health issue, we really need to consider the whole person and the reasons behind the emotions, their thoughts, and behaviors. Because if we can get to the reasons behind those emotions, thoughts, and behaviors, and behaviors could be something such as medication adherence, uh, then we can really help the holistic uh, individual rather than, you know, working on them in pieces, which was, you know, an older version of how we used to provide care. I think the second point is to make note that there's a big difference between therapy and counseling um, and, and, you know, motivational interviewing. And I think that within these therapies, um, if we have awareness that there is a difference um, and that there are specialties within these types of therapies, then we can just, you know, make note of it so that when we're looking at research or we're reading uh, different articles, uh, we know what we're looking for. It's it's something that isn't, I, I'm seeing more and more, it's not recognized. People use the terms counseling and therapy interchangeably when they are very separate um, uh, approaches. And, the third point, I guess CBT as a skill, uh, something that you know anyone could really take away uh, and use as a CBT skill is something called Socratic dialogue. So what it is is having a conversation with your client where you have a genuine curiosity to understand the why of the situation. So the why I'm saying in quotation marks. So why are they not taking their medications? Why are they... Um, expressing emotions in this manner. So just have a real a genuine curiosity of why they have the thoughts, emotions, and behaviors that are leading to these patterns and behaviors and these potential related health outcomes. So for example, you, you could get to the why of why somebody's not partaking in healthy living activities or why they're not taking their medication, get to the root of that. I think those whys, that Socratic dialogue, is at the foundation of our healthcare system and it's a really good starting point uh, to help clients discover and achieve their health care goals. Okay. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for sharing your insights and knowledge with us. Um, I think that's thank great. You. I think there's a lot, a lot for us to learn in what is a key area for healthcare going forward. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for talking with me. I appreciate it. Thank you.